Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, called Living the Gospel. Ray Comfort one time say, are you going to let a hypocrite keep you out of heaven? See, because that's actually what you're doing. You're hanging your hat on hypocrites and you're saying, that's why I don't want to have anything to do with the Lord. That's why I don't go to church. So is that why you're going to stay out of heaven on that day? Are you going to penalize yourself because of the hypocrites? Or is that an excuse so that you don't have to be accountable to God? It's a tough one. But it's reality. The famous Robert Redford was walking one day through a hotel lobby. A woman saw him and followed him to the elevator. She said, are you the real Robert Redford? He said, only when I'm alone. And you know, the truth is that the real us is probably most manifested only when we're alone. And that's why we talk about integrity being what you are when you're alone. What you are when no one's watching. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. These are the battles of the Christian life. And so we have this incident. When Cephas came to Antioch, that's Syrian Antioch. We, I showed you a map when we opened the teaching in Galatians. And Syrian Antioch is to be differentiated from Pisidian Antioch. And Syrian Antioch was kind of north of Israel. And Jews traveled between uh, Jerusalem and Antioch in Syria. And uh, Syrian Antioch was the place where the Christians were first called Christians. It was the home base for the Apostle Paul. It's where Saul and Barnabas went out on their first missionary journey. It had a huge population. In fact, I was reading this week and the population of Syrian Antioch in the Roman Empire, third largest uh, city, 250,000 people, and they had 25,000 Jews in Syrian Antioch. So if you just were to look at a map today and go, just go north, you'd see that area of Syria, and that's what we're talking about. A lot of the activity of the early church happened there, and Peter paid a visit there. His visit likely, from a timing standpoint, for those of you who are interested, happened before the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, when the gospel was again confirmed by the leadership of the early church, Acts 15. So before that, but after Paul and Barnabas returned from their missionary journey, and that's Acts 14, 25 through 28. Let me just read it for you. It says, when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commanded, or, excuse, me, excuse me, commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And when they had arrived the, and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time, Acts 14, 28, with the disciples. Now that long time, after that first journey out, back, they sailed back to Antioch, and it was there before the Jerusalem Council that Peter made a trip to Syrian Antioch. We don't know why he came, he could have come just to visit the Christians there and celebrate what God was doing. He may have come because there was a famine down in the area of Judea. 
He may have come because there was persecution in Jerusalem and to escape the persecution. If the chronology is right, amen, Peter has just uh, experienced a deliverance from prison and a miraculous deliverance from prison. And there was a lot of persecution and Peter being kind of the, one of the main spokesmen of the uh, gospel in the early days had to be a target of uh, attack and persecution. So maybe there, there's a number of reasons why he went there, but Peter ends up in Antioch, the strategic place of the early church. And he's hanging out with Jewish and Gentile believers. And if you take a look again at Galatians 2, verse 11, when Cephas came to Antioch, Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now Paul got in Peter's face at Antioch because Peter stood condemned. Now this is the squaring off of two big apostles in the early church. In this corner, the great apostle Paul. In this corner, Peter. Ding, ding, ding. And Paul got up in Peter's face. Now the word in the original language doesn't mean necessarily hostility, but it means confrontation. It means a direct confrontation calling somebody out for doing wrong. And Paul says that Peter stood condemned. The word condemned is kata gnosko. There's different ways to define the word. The word can mean to find fault. Peter was at fault. He was to blame. He was to be accused. And there are other scholars that say the word is strong enough to be condemned before God or guilty before God. Now, I don't know how far to push the language here, but what we do know was that Peter was playing the hypocrite. Peter was not being true to who he was. He was not being authentic. And Paul saw it, and Paul confronted Peter. I don't think this word means that Peter was going to lose his salvation or anything like that, but Peter was being hypocritical. He was being sinful. One writer says, some early church fathers interpreted Peter's sin here as feigned, like he was faking it, so that Peter pretended to be wrong so that Paul could correct him. You say, why are people writing that kind of thing? Well, here's why. Clement of Alexandria suggested that Cephas mentioned here was not the apostle Peter. In order to maintain the doctrine of the infallibility of the popes, supposed to come from a succession from Peter all the way down through time, claimed by the Roman system, some Catholic theologians have insisted that the Peter at Antioch was not the apostle. Such interpretations are desperate attempts, says one writer, to salvage Peter's reputation. In other words, they they say maybe it was a different Peter because the Peter who was the founding one of the church, maybe the first pope, as some people argue. We don't agree with that, but that's what some people argue. They have to try to protect his reputation because it implies that the apostles, you know, maybe they walked off the ground a little bit. Maybe they were a little bit better than us. No, 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 no. Apostles were still humans. Apostles still made mistakes. Yes, they were used mightily by God, Yes, they wrote divine scripture, but it doesn't mean that they were perfect. Martin Luther, who had his own issues in his day, and I don't agree with everything Luther said, but he said these words about Peter's feet of clay. 
He says it's a great comfort for us to hear that even such great, great saints sin. A comfort which those who say that saints cannot sin would take away from us. Samson, David, and many other celebrated men who were full of the Holy Spirit, like Peter was, fell into huge sins. Job and Jeremiah curse the day of their birth. Elijah and Jonah grow tired of life and pray for death. Such errors and sins, says Luther, of the saints are set forth in order that those who are troubled and desperate may find comfort and that those who are proud may be afraid. No man has ever fallen so grievously that he could not have stood up again. On the other hand, no one has such a sure footing that he cannot fall. If Peter fell, I too may fall. If Peter stood up again, so can I. Close quote. And I think rather than us trying to think that the apostles back in the day had halos over their head and they lived differently than us, you know, they were much better than us, we have to see them as humans who were touched in the same way as we by the grace of God. Because there are times when I'm in worship or I've shared the gospel or I'm studying my Bible where I feel as close to heaven as humanly possible. And then there are other times that I can't believe that I had that thought or I acted that way. Or I said those words to somebody that I love. Can I get a witness? Anybody else out there? We could be so spiritual one moment and so fickle and fleshly the next. And that is the struggle of the Christian life. It's to give God everything. That's been one of my prayers just over the last few weeks. Lord, I want to give you everything. Everything I worried about. Everything I'm fearful of. I want to be genuine. I want to be authentic. And I think it would do us well, brothers and sisters, to not put on a show for people when we're struggling, to not try to act hyper-spiritual in certain contexts where we're trying to impress other Christians. If we just had the goal of authenticity, we wouldn't have to put on a show for the Christian or the non-Christian. Amen? But that's what we struggle with, right? We struggle with sometimes, you know, being transparent and vulnerable. But Peter the Rock failed. Peter, who thought he was so strong, was wrong. And it happens. There are some people who look at what Paul did and say, Paul sinned by rebuking Peter. Do you think so? I don't think so. But should he have rebuked him publicly? Well, you're going to see that Peter's hypocrisy had a public impact and needed a public rebuke. Now, I think in Matthew 18, Jesus does tell us, always start to start privately. When I was coaching, uh, you know, I had to correct my players in baseball, but oftentimes I tried to bring a kid off to the side and correct him so that I would not embarrass him, Right? But there were times when his behavior was affecting other team members and multiple people had been hurt by it and then I would do a public correction. This is where we need wisdom. Proverbs 10, 17 says, He is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who forsakes reproof goes astray. Proverbs 12, 1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. And finally, Proverbs 15, 31 through 33 says, 
He whose ear listens to a life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. To not to try to act hyper-spiritual in certain contexts, we're trying to impress other Christians. If we just had the goal of authenticity, we wouldn't have to put on a show for the Christian or the non-Christian. Amen? But that's what we struggle with, right? We struggle with sometimes, you know, being transparent and vulnerable. But Peter the Rock failed. Peter, who thought he was so strong, was wrong. And it happens. There are some people who look at what Paul did and say, Paul sinned by rebuking Peter. Do you think so? I don't think so. But should he have rebuked him publicly? Well, you're going to see that Peter's hypocrisy had a public impact and needed a public rebuke. Now, I think in Matthew 18, Jesus does tell us, always start to start privately. When I was coaching, uh, you know, I had to correct my players in baseball, but oftentimes I tried to bring a kid off to the side and correct him so that I would not embarrass him, right? But there were times when his behavior was affecting other team members and multiple people had been hurt by it and then I would do a public correction. This is where we need wisdom. Proverbs ten seventeen says, He is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who forsakes reproof goes astray. Proverbs 12, 1 says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline, but he who regards reproof will be honored. And finally, Proverbs 15, 31 through 33 says, He whose ear listens to a life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. He who neglects discipline despises himself. He who listens to reproof acquires understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. 
And before honor comes humility. Is it possible that the people around you have the freedom to say something hard to you, or are you impossible to correct? Is it hard for anybody to say to you, hey, you could have handled that differently, or you could have done that wrong, or you could have done that right, you did it wrong? Or are we just so prickly? Anybody gets near us with any kind of reproof and is like, ah! We don't want to hear it. If you don't want to hear correction, you close yourself off to improvement. And we're in a society right now where nobody can be wrong, right? Except Christians. You you can't say to somebody, that was wrong, or this is wrong. No, 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 no. Everything's, you know, we're in the, we got the PC police now. Everything's got to be politically correct. Paul didn't believe in that. He said, verse 12, for prior to the coming of certain men from James, that's the Apostle James, the leader of the Jerusalem church, he was martyred in A.D. 62. He was the Lord's half-brother. These certain men who came from James, probably sent as a delegation from the Jerusalem church, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. The imperfect tense of the language means it was a habitual practice. But when they came, when this delegation from James came, he, Peter, began to withdraw and hold himself aloof. What's the word next, brothers and sisters? Fearing the party of the circumcision. What drove Peter's hypocrisy? One word, fear. You see, this is why oftentimes we do what we do. We change our mask. It's because of fear, and it's fear of people. It's loving the approval of men, Galatians 1.10, above the approval of God. And you can't be a bondservant of Jesus Christ if you're living and dying with people-pleasing. And we all have people-pleasing tendencies to one level or another. Some of you struggle with this big time. It's hard for you to accept that anybody, you know, could be unhappy with you. Can I just encourage you to get over that? (laughs) Sometimes people pleasers need to let others live with their mistakes. People pleasers try to fix it. I don't want you to feel bad even though you should feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad so I'll feel bad that you're feeling bad and maybe I can temper your bad. Whoa! Sometimes people pleasers, please hear what I'm about to say. You need to let people live with their own mistakes. And it doesn't mean you leave them on an island, but it means you try to help them walk through getting better. See, we've all gone through it. We've all had the moments where big lessons came in our lives by failure. And Peter's issue was fear. Now, I could tell you that you could read commentaries for the next two weeks on who are the men from James and who are those, this party and what, what's going on here. And, and let me just say, the men from James seem to be Jewish Christians who were probably just going up to Syrian Antioch to see what was going on. There are some scholars that believe that a report got to James in Jerusalem that Peter up in Syria was breaking kosher law. Breaking the Torah, breaking Jewish dietary laws and customs. That's reading between the lines. We don't know why they came. 
They could have just come to celebrate the work going on there in the north. But when they came, Peter changed. He used to eat with the Gentiles. Now, you guys know that in the ancient world, these were the major racial uh, dramas going on between Jew and Gentile. And Jew and Gentile coming under one Lord and one church was a major happening of the early church. And so Peter had gone into the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He preached the gospel to them. He hung out with the Gentiles. There are some people that believe that Peter even began to eat a non-kosher diet because Mark 7 says, and remember Mark, the majority of scholars believe that Mark's gospel is the thoughts of Peter. And there, I think it's Mark 7, 19, it says that Jesus declared all foods clean. Could it be that Peter began to eat Gentile food, non-kosher food? I don't know. There are some on the other side who say Peter did not have to stop practicing the Torah just because he was a Christian or a spokesman of the gospel and that he probably never would have stopped being kosher. So then, well, what was he doing? Well, he was sitting with Gentiles, interacting with them, having table fellowship with them, and there are, there's a lot of writings from the Jewish rabbis and leaders that say that if you did that, even the vessels that the food was put on could be defiled by idols. And so any interaction with Gentiles in this close proximity made you defiled. If you want extra study on this, write down Leviticus 11, 1 through 44. Yes, we're not going to read Leviticus 11, 1 through 44. But, but you'll see that there's a lot of things that could potentially make you unclean in terms of diet and so forth. And so, see the end of the verse, verse 12. Peter's fear was the party of the circumcision. There are scholars that are not sure if those are the same people that were sent from James. And that the party of the circumcision may just be normal Jews who were not Christians, who were a bit zealous and politically involved. And here's where you just need this to fill out the canvas a little bit. And that what would happen is if they saw Jewish people in this close proximity with Gentiles, they would begin to report back to the authorities in Jerusalem that these people were defiled and perhaps even liable to punishment. There are other scholars who believe that Peter's hesitancy is fear that what he's doing might affect other Jews in Jerusalem and they may be persecuted because of his behavior. There's a lot of different speculation. We just don't have enough to know exactly everything that's going on. What we do know is that Peter withdrew from Gentile brothers and sisters. He held himself aloof. He pulled back because of pressure. And we all can do that. When we hold ourselves aloof, we become snobbish. We become kind of pulled back and set back. We don't know if uh, Peter pulled away gradually. The language allows for a gradual pulling away or if P Peter just suddenly stopped. But all of a sudden, when this other company came in, Peter pulled away from brothers and sisters in Christ who were Gentiles. And it was a sad, sad situation. To hold oneself aloof means to be standoffish, snobbish, snooty, unapproachable. He acted one way with certain people and one way with others. Sound familiar? Anybody else struggle with that? 
modern example. You become a Christian, you start going to church, you're hanging out with believers, and an unbelieving friend comes by, sees you at the Christian table, and says, oh, you're not one of them, are you, Holy Joe? Remember how you used to say you would never carry a Bible around school or the neighborhood, and now you've got a huge family Bible. That's not yours, is it? And try to move it off in front of your friend. No, it's not mine. It's not mine. You've been listening to Living the Gospel Part 2 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 2, 11-14. Hey, could you please take some time to visit our website, walkintruth.com? There you could learn more about our program. And if you've been listening for some time and you appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. Look, we know times are hard, and we know uh, some people may be out of work, but that's why we're only asking for a small donation. If you're a new listener, please don't even give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, could you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation is going to go a long way to help keep our ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. And one more thing. If you're on social media, could you please follow Walk in Truth Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? We'd love to connect with you. And join us tomorrow for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 2, 11 through 14, called Living the Gospel. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.